models and modeling, the real world is messy and complicated. Our goal in studying physics is to brush aside many of the real world, real world details in order to explain patterns that occur over and over. For example, a swinging pendulum, a vibrating guitar string, a sound wave, and atoms in a crystal are all very different, yet they share a common core characteristic. Each is an example of an oscillating system, something that moves back and forth around an equilibrium position. If we focus on understanding a very simple oscillating system, such as a block, generically a mass attached to a spring, we'll automatically understand quite a bit about the many real-world examples of oscillation. Stripping away the details to focus on essential features is a process called modeling. A model is a highly simplified picture of reality, but one that still captures the essence of what we want to study. Thus, a mass attached to a spring is a simple but realistic model of many oscillating systems. Models allow us to make sense of complex situation by, situations by providing a framework for thinking about them. One could go as far as far to say that developing and testing models is, the, is at the heart of the scientific process. As Albert Einstein once said, physics should be simple as possible, as simple as possible, but not simpler. We want to find the simplest model that, will, that allows us to understand the phenomenon we're studying, but we can't make the model so simple that key aspects of the phenomenon get lost. We'll develop and use many models throughout this text. They'll be one of our most important thinking tools. These models will be of two types. Descriptive models, what are the essential characteristics and properties of a phenomenon? How do we describe it in the simplest possible terms? For example, the mass on a spring model of an oscillating system is a descriptive model. Explanatory models, why do things happen as they do? Explanatory models, based on the laws of physics, have predictive power. They allow us to test against experimental data whether a model provides an adequate explanation of our observations. For example, the charge model that we will introduce in chapter 20 helps us explain and predict a wide range of experimental outcomes related to electric forces. When we solve physics problems, one of the most important steps is choosing an appropriate model for the model system we're studying. And the worked examples in this text in the first strategized step will point out the model being used when appropriate. The particle model. For many objects, the motion of an object as a whole is not influenced by the details of an object's, of the object's size and shape. To describe the object's motion, all we really need to keep track of is the motion of a single point. You could imagine looking at the motion of a dot pointed, painted on the side of the object. In fact, for the purposes of analyzing the motion, we can often consider the object as if it were a single point. We can also treat the object as if all of its mass were concentrated into this single point. An object that could be represented as a mass at a single point in space is called a particle. If we treat an object as a particle, we can represent the objects in each frame of a motion diagram as a simple dot. Figure 1.4 shows how much simpler motion diagrams appear when the object is represented as a particle. Note the dots have been numbered 0, 1, 2 to tell the sequence in which objects in which the frames were exposed. These diagrams still convey a complete understanding of the ob object's motion. Figure 1.4, simplifying a motion diagram using the particle model. Motion diagram of a car stopping. B, same motion diagram using the particle model. The same amount of time elapses between each frame and the next. I'm playing a video.
A toy car rolls to a stop. Stop frames in the video show the motion of the car. We can use a dot to represent the car in each frame. This is the particle model. The dots make a simplified motion diagram for the car. In representing the car in figure 1.4 as a particle, we have discarded many of the details of the car, such as the shape of its body and the motion of its wheels, which are unimportant in understanding its overall motion. In other words, we have developed a model for moving objects the particle model that allows us to see connections that are very important, but that are obscured or lost by examining all parts of an extended real object. Consider the motion of the rock and the diver shown in figure 1.5. These two very different objects have exactly the same motion diagram. As we will see, all objects falling under the influence of gravity move in exactly the same manner if no other forces act. The simplification of the particle mo model has revealed something about the physics that underlies both of these situations. The particle model for two falling objects. By using the particle model, we can see that a falling rock and a diver have the same exact motion diagram. Stop to think. Three motion diagrams are shown. Which is the dust particle settling to the floor at a constant speed? Which is a ball dropped from the roof of a building? And which is a rocket? slowing to make a soft landing on Mars. From left to right, the motion diagrams are, I think, um, so dust particles settling to the floor at a constant speed. I think that would be the last one. Oh wait, no, that'd be the middle one. Um, a ball dropped from the roof of a building. It's probably the first one. And a descending rocket slowing to make a soft landing on Mars. The last one. So dust is in the middle. Ball dropped from a roof, I would say the last one. And then a rocket landing. Oh wait, no, that'd be the last one. Yeah. So the rocket is in space, so it's landing. Okay, that makes sense. Correct. The first motion diagram shows a particle speeding up as it falls, and the second at a constant, like the dust, and the third slowing while it descends. Alright, that was all.